All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, it's good to have you in the house. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor, and it is a privilege to have all of our faith family here. Let's give it up for our faith family up in Lawrenceburg. Good to have you guys in the house. Man, to all of our guests on both of our campuses and everybody watching online, I want to welcome all of you. And man, trust that God's going to do something big in your life. Hey, listen, before we jump in, man, I just woke up today, came in, and uh, just have had a burden on my heart. Maybe some of you in this place, and man, you just need a touch of God's presence in your life. Maybe there's something you're struggling with. Maybe there's a challenge or an issue in your life, and you recognize, man, you just need God's grace. And maybe you can't even put your finger on what's going on in your heart and your life, but man, I just believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. I believe he's the answer for every struggle we have. And so, man, I just feel a burden, man. I just want to pray. I just want to pray, man, God's grace on you, man. I want to pray burdens off of you. And so, man, if you're here, man, that's your heart. You just need God to touch you today. I just want you to open up your heart, man. Come on, Faith Church family, Lawrenceburg. Man, you're, maybe you're struggling. I just want to pray that, man, God will touch you where you are. So all over this campus, come on, y'all, bow your heads and your hearts. Wherever you're at, man, just ask him, God, show up in my life. Father, I just thank you, God, right now that you are the answer. You are the, you are the hope. You are the strength. You are the peace. You are the source of life and everything that we need. And so, Father, I pray, God, every person that God has carried something into this house, that, God, you don't want in their life or on their life, Father, I pray the power of the Holy Spirit, God, would break chains. I pray, God, set people free. I pray, God, hopelessness and depression and anxiety and fear in Jesus' name would be bound. Lord, I pray your presence and your grace and your hope and your joy, God, would cover every life. I pray, God, for the strength or the struggles in front of us, that, God, there would be strength. I pray in Jesus' name for the opportunities that, God, you have for some of us here, some of us in Lawrenceburg. Lord, I pray, God, the grace to walk those out. But, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, you come and do what only you can do. Lord, in a way we may not be able to describe it, but I pray every person from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, I pray be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with his grace. Be filled with his strength. Be filled with his joy. In Jesus' name, and everybody agrees, said amen. Is anybody here thankful for Jesus? Come on. All right. Well, Game of Thrones is on. Who's watching it? Yeah, ain't nobody raising their hand in church. Ain't nobody raising their hand in church. Hey, listen, um, so I want to share a story. My story maybe is your story. This happened to me, and probably for some of us in this room or some of us online, this happened to you. And back when I was a freshman, I think probably a sophomore in high school, there was a group of guys I was running with, and uh, his parents, one of my friend's parents, went out of town. Like, I don't even need to finish the story, do I? And so they went out of town, and so we just, he just decided, you know, when, when the cat's away, the mice play. And so he, he just... He just threw a little soiree, a little get-together. And not only was it him and his friends, but there was another, an older brother. He had an older brother that was like a sophomore or junior uh, in college, which meant we were legal. Can we just talk honest today in church? And so we, we just got together, and we just invited some friends. And so friends started coming, and then some friends started coming and bringing friends we didn't know. And then some people started showing up that we didn't know, bringing people that, they, that we did, still didn't know. And, like, it became one of those uh, parties that was just absolutely out of control. And so we had a blast that night. This is before I knew Jesus. Don't anybody write me any letters. I didn't know the Lord at this time. I mean, people who don't know Jesus live like they don't know Jesus. Just let you all in on that secret. And so, man, we had a blast that night, but (laughs) we woke up the next morning, and I'm telling you, there was chaos in the house. There was stuff broken. There was stuff missing. There was no way to hide from his parents that there had been a party. Like, you know, you can clean up and sweep up 
I some of you are here and they're like, my, my kids would never. Your kids are the ones who are doing it. And some of you have done it. Some of you, it was your party. You had the party. Some of you, like, you, you didn't have the party, but you got invited to the party. Some of you got invited to the party, and you were smart enough not to go to the party. Some of you went to the party, and you're glad you went to the party. But you've given your life to Jesus since then. But, man, it was one of those crazy things. I'm telling you, the next day we woke up, and the two things I remember, like, you can't fix these things. Someone had caught one of the, one of the seat cushions on a couch on fire. Like, it was... Is this a hole? Is this a scorched black charcoal hole? You can't fix that. You can't run to Target and get a new cushion for a couch. Someone had shattered, like not cracked, shattered the front main glass door. Like it was just a pile of glass. And I remember we woke up the next morning and we we're assessing the damage and his parents were coming home. And I remember leaving and we just hugged our friend because we thought this could be the last time we see our friend. <laughs> so here, here's, what I want to, here's what I want to talk about for a little bit is is all of us in this room, again, some of us, that's our story. Again, we had the party or we went to the party or we got invited to the party. And for all of us in this room, what is it about, what is it about us that, that like once the, once the rule makers are gone, we start breaking the rules? Right? I mean, there, there's something that, that that's true in all of us. And you might say, well, pastor, you're talking about when kids are kids and, you know, kids don't do that. You know, we're not kids here, pastor. We're adults, Lawrenceburg, we're adults. And so, you know, what's this have to do with us? Well, let's fast forward and talk about college because we all know people or maybe we are those people that like we were at home and we were following mom and dad's rules and, you know, we had an 11 o'clock curfew and we were home by 1059 and we were in bed by midnight and we cleaned our room and we took care of business and we studied and then we went off to college and no parents were around. Come on, and wheels off. Like people go to college and lose their mind. They don't, they, don't, they don't clean the room anymore. They're out partying. They're out sleeping around. They quit studying. Like a lot, there's actually percentage, a pretty good significant percentage number of students who attend college for the first time who flunk out the first semester. Do you know why? Because all of a sudden the rules are gone and things go crazy. And again, some of you are in this room. You never graduated college, not because you weren't a good student. It's because you got out from underneath mom and dad's rules and you lost your mind. And you know people like that, and I know people like that. And you might say, well, Pastor, again, we're, we're ta- you're talking about high school kids, and now you're talking about young adults, and that's only some of us in this room. Let's talk about work for a minute. Like, what happens when the manager leaves? What happens when the boss isn't present? You guys know, like, production doesn't go up. Right? I mean, what happens, again, when the, when the, when the cat's away, the mice play. All of a sudden, when the rule maker isn't around, all of a sudden, where, where there aren't rules in force, all of a sudden, where there's, where there's not some kind of authority, like, people go crazy. In fact, if you're taking notes right out of the gate, people get unruly without rules. And if I don't have your attention yet, let me just pull this all in. I think this is something at least a large majority of us can agree with. Any of us here, have you ever been driving down the road and, like, you're on the expressway and the speed limit's 70, but you're doing 79-ish? 80-ish. I mean, you're just going with the flow of traffic and like, you don't care. You got the music going. You're just rolling down the road until you peak the hill. And then you see a police officer about, you know, a couple hundred yards down the road. What do you do? You pump the brakes and start praying in Jesus name and speaking in tongues. Why? It's because you were doing your own thing until all of a sudden the authority was back. Until all of a sudden you recognize it. So what is it? What is it that's in all of us, this this thing that we start, like once, once the authority's gone, once the rules are out of the way, like we start doing things our own way 
And typically when we do things our own way, typically they end up bad. Whether you're a kid, whether you're a college student, whether you're an adult at work, whatever it is, I can continue to give all these scenarios. But at the end of the day, here's what we're going to tackle for the next couple weeks in this series, Game of Thrones. That I want all of you to wrestle to the ground. And here's the question. Who sits on the throne of your life? Who's the one driving the decisions? Who's the one that helps... Who's the one that helps you to determine the direction of your life? Who's the one that's influencing the decisions you make? Like, who sits on the throne of your life? So I want us today, I want us to read a story. It's found in the Old Testament. It's kind of, kind of an obscure little story. But I want us to just read this together. Lawrence Berg, I want you to read this with me. There's six verses here. Here's this story. Watch this. It says, there was a man named Micah who lived in the hill country of Ephraim. And one day he said to his mother, I heard you place a curse on the person who stole 1,100 pieces of silver from you. Well, I have the money. I was the one who took it. This is crazy. He says, the Lord bless you for admitting it, his mother replied. And he returned the money to her. And she said, I now dedicate these silver coins to the Lord. In honor of my son, I will have an image carved in an idol cast. And so when he returned the money to his mother, she took 200 silver coins and gave them to a silversmith who made them into an image and an idol. And these were placed in Micah's house. And Micah set up a shrine for the idol. And he made a sacred ephod and some household idols. And then he installed one of his sons as his personal priest. Everybody here, I want you to read this next part with me. Come on, every voice. In those days, Israel had no king and all the people did whatever seemed right. In their own eyes. So before we jump into this story, let me give you some context for where this story is found. It's found, again, in a book called the Book of Judges, which is in the Old Testament. And this happens, some of you maybe have a little bit of biblical background, you've been in church for a while. This happens not long, not too long after Moses brings the nation of Israel out of Egypt, right? So they're slaves to Pharaoh in the land of Egypt 400 years. God raises up Moses to go rescue his people. And God doesn't just bring the people out of Egypt. He wants to take them into the promised land. Newsflash. God doesn't want you just to stop doing stuff. God wants you to start doing stuff. God doesn't want us like, the goal isn't God like stop being bad. God wants us to embrace our purpose and the life that he has for us. God doesn't want to just bring you out of something. God wants to take you into something. And so he sends Moses and they're wandering through the wilderness. And ultimately we, we find that Moses dies and God raises up Joshua to be the next leader of the nation of Israel. He takes the people, the nation of Israel, actually into the promised land. They're starting to get situated, which takes us in the book of Judges. Again, Judges, Joshua's still alive. He's, he's pretty old at this point. They're starting to get settled in. Now, the nation of Israel was broken up into 12 tribes. Like, think of 12, like, people groups. They were all family, but, like, you know, it was all these people groups. And when they went into the promised land, every group got to live in their own subdivision. Right, like one lived in like Pine Grove and the other lived like in Seacrest and like they all lived in their own little subdivision. And when they get there, God reminds them, listen, if you do life my way, you'll experience my blessings. But he says, be careful because when you get into this new land, you're going to be tempted to live like the neighbors. You're going to be tempted to adopt their behaviors and their belief systems. So, so be careful. Make sure you live your life submitted to me and not submitted to the gods of the people in the, in the land you're going into. And so they get in there, and immediately, man, they start going sideways. They stop living in a way that honors God, and they start living the life that all the rest of their their neighbors and the inhabitants of the land they move to were living. 
And so God calls a powwow. Joshua, uh, Judges chapter 2, this is where the story picks up. Joshua calls everybody together like, hey, we're going to have church. There's a Hammond B3 in the background playing. Some of you know about some Hammond B3. And Joshua's preaching, and he's telling like, y'all got to get your act together. God brought us out of Egypt. God blessed us, but we got we to honor God. We have to do life his way. And the Bible tells us that the angel of the Lord showed up. Now, I don't know what this looks like, but like God's presence showed up, and God's presence, the angel of the Lord started preaching to the entire nation of Israel, reminding them of the very same thing. The angel of the Lord departs. You fast forward, and it says this, Joshua 2.6, early on in the book, it says, after Joshua sent the people away, each of the tribes left to take possession of the land allotted to them. So they came together for like a final, like a final warning, and they all went back to their subdivisions. Joshua dies, and then watch this, Judges 2, 10, and 11. After that generation died, another generation grew up, everybody read this, who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things that he had done for Israel. And the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. Baal was one of the false gods in this land. So here's what I want you to hear is the entire book of Judges, it kind of it goes back and forth between this 30,000-foot view where there's this kind of a survey of everything that's happening in the nation of Israel, like how they're living as a people. And then you'll get into a section of Scripture where it'll get like this microscopic view. Yeah. Like it'll hone in on one person, one family, one set of circumstances. And the story we read in, jo in Judges chapter 17 is one of those microscopic stories. And so I, I want us to get this again, that, that people get unruly without rules. God said, I want, you to, I want you to submit to me. I want you to do life my way. Instead, they go back and their living life wheels off. And this is the story. Let's recap real quick. So there's a woman. Now, right away, this is an important detail. Typically, men are the important people in the story, at least in that context. It was a male-dominant culture. If the woman's mentioned and not a man, that means this woman probably is a widow, which she's considered property more than a person. She's looked down on. Typically, widows were very impro impoverished, very poor. But somehow this woman scrapes together 1,100 pieces of silver. Do you know how much 1,100 pieces of silver are worth? I don't know either. I could make up a big figure, but I'd like to have it. However much it is, it sounds like an amount I'd like to have. She scrapes together 1,100 pieces of silver. Here's where it gets crazy. Her son steals her money. Like she don't slip, he doesn't slip a $5 bill out of her purse for a pack of cigarettes. He steals the entire 1,100 pieces of silver. And then fast forward. One day he's walking in the house and he hears his mom cussing the person who took it. Bible says she's, she's cursing this person. Lord, I pray wherever that person is at who took my money, I pray you strike them with lightning from the top of their head down to the soles of their feet. Let them be found beat up behind a store somewhere. Lord, I pray, Lord, you skin them alive. <laughs> this is my translation. It's my story. I can tell it how I want. Like she's cursing this person. He overhears it, and he's, now he doesn't feel bad for stealing the money. He just don't want lightning hitting him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. So he thinks better. He goes to my mom. I'm the one who took the money. Mom is so proud of him for coming clean. Moms, our standard of success is very low for our children. He comes clean. Mom, hey, I'm the one who stole the money. She's so proud of him. Now, this is, this is crazy. She takes 200 pieces of silver, goes to a local silversmith, has the local silversmith build an idol, 
If you know anything about scripture, the Ten Commandments, the Second Commandment, God warned the nation of Israel, you'll have no idols or false images. This proud mama takes 200 pieces of silver and goes and has a false idol made. He puts the false idol in his house and appoints one of his kids as a priest between him and the false idol. Are you kidding me? Now, I know a lot of us in this room, we don't have idols and we're not appointing kids as priests. If you are, come see me. You need counseling. But we don't do it. But let me just tell you, here's what you need to know is all of this chaos is happening. A son stealing the mother's inheritance returns the inheritance. She builds an idol. He appoints a priest to worship the idol because there was no king at that time in the nation of Israel. And everybody did what seemed right in their own eyes. See, the reason God pulls into that story is he's trying to give us a picture of a group of people who live outside of the rules, who think they know how to do life their own way. And it's this chaos. It's this crazy. But in fact, the whole book of Judges is the same cyclical nature. In fact, if you read it, and some of you have, it's this whole, these three things keep happening in the nation of Israel. Rebellion, ruin, and restoration. Everybody say that. Rebellion, ruin, and restoration. So God comes and says, hey, listen, here, here's the life I want you to live. Here's the direction I want you to go. And instead of honoring God, they do things their own way. They, they decide, man, to live life by their own rules. When that happens, things go sideways. They go down the gutter. Oftentimes, their neighbors come and, and subjugate, subjugate them. And then they cry out to God. And God responds by, with, by restoring them, which is one of the beautiful things about God is God is always a God of mercy. No matter how many times you've called out to God, don't ever buy the lie you've called out to God too much and this time he won't hear you. God always responds to mercy to those who call on his name. The Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God never tires of hearing from you when you cry out in true faith and inspiration. So, man, they call out to God and God raises up what's called a judge, which is why, why it's called the book of Judges, who is this political and military leader who goes in and rescues the nation of Israel out from the new captors. And they get out and they're like, oh, God, thank you so much. We're never going to do it again. And then they rebel. Then they go into ruin and they do like we do. Oh, God, if you give me out this this time, I'll never do it again. And they, God raises up a deliverer and then they rebel, ruin, restoration. Now, let's be clear. I'm, I'm describing not just the book that was written several thousand years ago. I'm, I'm describing people right here today. Because there's a lot of us in this room and a lot of us watching online that we live that same cyclical life. We live that same life of rebellion, ruin, and restoration, right? Some of us in this room, we're living it financially, right? We, we know we shouldn't be spending the way we're spending. We know we sh we're living above our means, but like we do it anyways. Like we have to have the new shiny. We have to buy our kids this stuff. And so we start breaking kind of the financial rules and our life gets in ruin, and some of you have bills showing up in your mailbox and you have 90 and 120 day late notices and you're afraid to park your car outside of your garage because it's going to get repoed. Like you're in the middle of ruin and like you're praying someone will rescue. Maybe people have given you money to help get you out of debt or, or you've gone to local services that like have helped you get back on track. And you're like, if I can just get out this time, I'll never go back. And like you get right back in the same financial, like you just keep breaking the rules. You just keep trying to live above your means. And I'll never do it again. You go back to the check to cash place. You go back to the credit card. It's that same cycle. Some of you in this room, like your issue is not financial, but that same, that same rebellion, ruin, and restoration, like it's happening relationally. Right? There's some of you in this room, you're like, ladies, you keep dating the bad guy. 
Like, you don't know what it is, but like, bad boys are just attractive. And so you date the bad boy, and like, things go sideways, and you get involved in things, and things start happening that you, you wished you weren't a part of. And man, if I can just get out of this relationship, I'll never go back. I'll never date another bad boy. And then you get out, and you find yourself right back in that same cycle. Some of you, man, if I can just talk honest with some guys... Some of you guys, you're in that same cycle too. Like you're out sleeping around and you're out doing your thing. And like, it doesn't matter what anybody tells you. And then you get the phone call, hey, I might be pregnant. And so you, are, you start praying, Lord, if, 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 Lord, if they'll just not be pregnant, I'll never do it again. God, if you just let me slide by this time, Lord, I'll never do it. Like I won't have sex again until I'm married, Lord, I swear. And then you get the phone call, hey, it's all good. We're all clear. And then you get right back in the cycle. Like some of us here, it's addiction. I remember when I first got saved and some of you, this is your story. I want you to know there's a difference between salvation and sanctification. Salvation is when you say, Jesus, come into my life and save me. I put all of my faith in you and immediately you're saved, but you're not living it yet. I wish somebody would help me today. Now, we should be changed and become more like Jesus, but it doesn't happen immediately and it doesn't happen overnight. And so I gave my life to Christ, but I was still partying for a little while. I was still trying to figure it out. And I remember going through those same cycles with Shauna. We were dating at the time, and, like, I was still making bad decisions. And there was one day, like, I was hanging out at a um, local 7-Eleven, which is like a, what did I say? Like a quickie mart. Y'all know what quickie marts are? I was hanging out just minding my own business. And this group of friends of mine had pulled up. The devil always knows where you're at. (laughs) And, like, Steve, let's take a ride. And if you don't know what take a ride means, just hang out. And so we got in this car, and we're just cruising around, and uh, we were getting high. And uh, so this is a crazy, I mean, like, God only himself could have timed this. Like, the same time, I'm just doing my thing. Shauna and her mom come right up behind us. (laughs) What are you clapping for? (laughs) That's horrible. So you know what I did? I did what a lot of us, a lot of you do. I started negotiating. Immediately I called my brother. Okay, listen, a few, in a few hours, I'm going to call you. And when I call you, I'm going to put Sean on the phone. And when I put Sean on the phone, you, you swear I was with you because I was doing that thing that some of you do. It wasn't me. And so, like, you know, but here's the thing. At the end of the day, like, here's, Sean, just don't break up me. If you don't break up me, Lord, don't let her break up me. God, I'll never do it again. God, I'll never do it again. And then she would forgive me, and I feel like God would forgive me. A lot of my Sunday mornings when I first started going to church is I would live my life by my rules through the week, and I would show up Sunday, and I'd have all these consequences, and I'd pray, Lord, just forgive me. Lord, I'll never do it again. God, that's the last time I'll do it. That's the last time I'm going out. That's the last time I'm partying. That's the last time I'm fighting. And some of you are stuck in the cycle because you have made yourself your own king, and when you follow your rules, it will end in ruin. The good news, God will always restore. But here's the thing. We were created to have a king. Who's your king? Some of you are stuck in the cycle. You're stuck in the cycle of relationship. You're stuck in the cycle of addiction. You're stuck in the cycle of financial trouble because you keep living life by your own rules. And we were created to have a king. In fact, this is, this is one of the running themes throughout scriptures. We were created to have a king. You go all the way back. Some of you who have been in church for a while. How many people have heard the verse where there's no vision the people perish? Raise your hand if you've heard that verse. You probably have heard that verse preached like this. Like pastors will get up, man, we need a vision from the Lord. Like we just need a vision. And that's not what this verse means at all. It has nothing to do with having a life vision. In fact, on Proverbs 29, 18, here's the verse. 
And I want everybody to listen to this. Where there is no vision, this translation says revelation. Where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraints. And here's how we know it has nothing to do with vision. Because the back part of the verse contrasts with the first part. And it says, but, come on, read it, happy is he who keeps the law. Here's what God is saying. God is saying, come on, some of you went to spring break and you went to spring break and you remember like you don't have a vision. You're like basically like God's there, but you don't see God. You don't pay attention to God. Like, like God is, he's the authority, but I'm not submitting to that authority. I'm on spring break. I'm in a relationship. I'm doing life my own way. Like I'm living by my own rules. And so because you didn't have any vision of God in your life, you cast off restraint. You lived wheels off. And when you live life by your rules, it will always end in ruin. But happy is he who keeps the law of the Lord. So it's like we're in this place where we have to choose who sits on the throne of our life. And you can live life by your own way and your own rules. But it will always end in ruin. And so I want us to go all the way back to Genesis because Genesis is the book of beginnings. And one of the first principles it introduces us to is that God wants to be our king. He wants to be the one who sets the pace, sets the rules, and sets the boundaries. In fact, check this out. God gives Adam, some of you know this story, God gives Adam, he blesses him in a big way. He gives him four big blessings right in the beginning of creation. He gives Adam a place. He gives Adam provision. He gives Adam people, and he gives Adam purpose. He gives him a place. He, he puts him right in the garden, in the middle of paradise, Right? He gives him provision. He says, listen, you, you don't have to get your own food like all these trees, all this fruit at yours need. I'm providing for you. He gives him people like you don't have to do life alone. He makes a beautiful bride named Eve. And then he gives Adam a purpose. He says, I want you to rule over the earth. You take dominion over all the fish of the sea, over all the birds there, over everything that creeps on the earth. And here's what I want you to see, though, in the, in the blessings that God gives Adam, in the perks, in the benefits I want you to see this, Genesis 2, 15 and 16. Everybody watch this. It says, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden. There's his place. But watch this. The place, the place comes with responsibilities. He said, I'm going to put you in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree. There's his provision. You can eat the fruit of all this tree, but watch, it comes with restrictions. He says, but don't eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you're sure to die. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper who's just right. He makes people. But then he gives him rules. He says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one. Just sidebar real quick. If, you'll live your if you're here and you're married and you'll live your life like one and no longer two, you'll have a successful marriage. That's a great place to clap. A lot of us are living our lives with two calendars and two bank accounts and two visions and two purposes. You'll never have a successful marriage. God said the rules of a successful relationship is when the two become one. When the two become one. But here's what I want you to see is, is again, man, God is, God is loading up on the benefits. God is blessing Adam with all of these things. But watch this. Each blessing had a boundary. Each blessing had a boundary. I'm going to give you a place, but it comes with responsibility. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to give you people, but it comes with rules. I'm going to give you provision, but it comes with restrictions. 
And here's what we all have to wrestle with. Everybody pull in. Here's what you have to wrestle with as you try to decide who's the king of your life. You can be the king of your own life. And some of you have been. Here's my question. How's that working out for you? Oh, I love me some Dr. Phil. How's that working out for you? Like some of you, because that's your story. Your story is high school. Your story is college. Your story is what's happening at work. Your story is finances and relationships because you've been living life by your own rules and it's leading to ruin. But the question is, like, how do, you, how do you get to God's blessing? And the only way you can walk in God's blessing is to honor God's boundaries. Think about parents. How many people in this room, I, I, my parents were this way with me and I'm this way with my kids. How many people had parents or you are the parent that when you give gifts, you always, like, give rules with the gift? Like, let me give you an example. Like, I remember the, the first time my dad gave me my first folding knife. Like, he wasn't like, here you go, son, have at it. Like, here, son, don't cut yourself. And he gave me all these rules like cut away, not toward yourself. Here, son, here's a new bike. Don't ride in the street. You'll get killed. Here was one. Anybody remember this? When school would start when you were a young kid and you get new crayons, there's nothing like a fresh crayon. You get colored pencils and then markers. And then your, my parents would warn me. My mom would tell me, now listen, here's some new Crayola markers, but don't write on yourself. Remember this? Because you'll get ink poisoning and die. Listen, I've never known a kid my entire life to get ink poisoning, much less die from it. But my parents, every time they would bless me, they would give me a boundary. Every time they would bless me, they would give me a boundary. Uh, I'd give my son, you give, you give your kids like today, you give them a PlayStation or a 360, and you bless them, man, here's a PlayStation. But listen, you're not going to sit in your room eight hours a day and let your brain rot. Why? It's a boundary. Here's my favorite one is all the parents in the house that have gotten your kids a trampoline, you have a surgery in your future. And you should just set up a phone recording what happens because eventually you can have a viral video that will pay for the surgery you're going to have to give for your kids. <laughs> like watching your kids jump on a trampoline is like, uh, this is going to go bad quick. But you, what do you do? You set boundaries like no double jumping. You can't be in there once. Stay in the middle. You're getting too close. Stay in the middle. you got nets around it. Why? Here's why. Listen, listen, listen. Is because with every blessing, there's a boundary because you understand, like, I want good for you. I have good for you. But if you get outside of doing things my way, you will end up hurt. It will, lead, it will lead to ruin. And so what we have to decide in this room is you got to ask yourself a question. Just the way you know your parents loved you and had good for you, but the good came with boundaries. We have a heavenly father that has good for us, but it comes with boundaries. And the only way you can experience God's blessing is to honor his boundary. And a lot of us are living outside of the boundaries and we're doing things our own way, wondering why it keeps leading to ruin. And if we will come back and do life God's way, we will figure out we can walk in his blessings. And either we believe that God has good for us or he's holding good from us. See, this is the lie all the way from the beginning. Some of you are tempted to do relationships your own way and money your own way and life your own way because the lie of the enemy is, man, God's holding out on you. Man, the real fun's over there. The real blessing's over there. And you just got to ask yourself a question. When, when God has rules, when God has boundaries for my life, is it because he has good for me or is he trying to keep good from me? You have to answer that question. But here's what I want you to hear is at the end of the day, you get to choose your own king, but you have to serve the king you choose. You have free will. You can, you can choose to serve any king you want. But once you choose that king, you have to serve that king. So who's the king in the throne of your life? 
See, when I think about boundaries, I think about this umbrella, right? Think about this, man. It's, the storm's coming. What do we do, man? We get the umbrella out. And even though there's rain all around us, if you're underneath the umbrella, you're safe. What this is, man, is this is the submission position. God wants every life in this room, every life online, if we're going to live the life and experience the life that God has for us, we have to take the submission position. See, man, when the storm is raging and, man, the rain is coming down, you can see all the mother fools out there running in the rain. And sometimes it looks like they're having fun, but the, the underwear's all wet and wedged up. Ain't no fun. You say, listen, but watch, man, here's the boundary. You've got to stay right here underneath the boundary if you want to experience the protection. And again, the lie of the enemy is, man, go out there and do your own thing. But I'm telling you, if we will take the submission position, if we will stay underneath God's authority, if we will walk underneath the boundaries that he set for us, you'll be shocked. Some of you have been buying the lie that there's a better life outside of God's boundaries. You'll be shocked how much the blessing is when you decide financially, relationally, materially, physically, every area of your life. It's a better life living underneath the umbrella of God's authority. Genesis, Judges 2.10, after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord. I don't need the umbrella. I'm going to live life my own way. I'm going to experience life on my terms. I'm going to be my own king. You can be your own king, but live life long enough being your own king, and you'll find ruin. Some of you already have. Some of it's your story today. The good news is, wherever you are, if you call out to the Lord, he'll answer you. And no matter how many times you've called out to the Lord, he'll answer you. As we, uh, as we close today, I just want to issue a challenge that will help get us through some of this series Everybody, I want you to pull out something. Get your phone out. I want you just to write something small down. Get a piece of paper. Everybody just look down. Act like you're getting something so I feel better. Just do this. Everybody get something to write with. Real quick. Real quick. Here's what I want you to write down. Psalm 119. Verses 1 through 8. Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8. What I'm going to read you is the New Living Translation, NLT version. Here's the challenge I want to issue to every person in this house. is for one week, just seven days, when you wake up in the morning before your feet hit the floor, I want to challenge every one of you in this room to read this and make it a prayer. Here's what David, here's what David prayed. He said, joyful are people of integrity who follow the instruction of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all of their hearts. They do not compromise with evil and they walk only in his paths. You have changed us or you have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your decrees. 
And I love this last part. Please don't give up on me. Don't y'all love that? God will never give up on you. But what this is doing, man, is just setting your heart right for a new day. God, I got my way and you have your way. Lord, help me to follow your way. I got my path and you have your path. Lord, help me to follow your path. Lord, help me to see you. See, a generation rose up who didn't acknowledge the Lord. If you want God's best, you got to begin to acknowledge God. Just make a path in a place for God's presence in your life and see what he'll do. How many people in this room would say, I need to do a better job putting my life in the submission position? Me too. So, Father, all over this room, God, all of us struggle at times. God, we make ourselves our own king. We follow other people and other paths that, Lord, put our life in a place of ruin. But I pray today, God, as we acknowledge that, as we repent before you, Lord, help us to begin to follow your path. God, I know that you've blessed us, but God, again, that blessing comes with boundaries. So, Lord, help us to stay under the umbrella, Lord. Help us, God, to maintain the submission position that, Lord, we submit to you as our king. Help us to live life in a way that honors you and recognizes that truth. Lord, starting tomorrow, God, I pray, Lord, you just make that click. Help us to remember that. Help us to intentionally live with you as our king. And, Father, we thank you for it. Listen, with every head bowed and every eye closed just for a minute, if you're here, man, some of you, man, you're not, God isn't your king at all because you've never looked his way. You've never even thought of that. Again, we all need a king. And Jesus came and he, he died on the cross for our sin. We're all sinners. I'm a sinner and so are you. We've all made mistakes. We've all lived life our own way. That's what sin is, is when you pick your path over God's path, when you choose your way of doing life over his way of doing life. And we all need forgiveness for that. And Jesus is the only one who can forgive. He's the only one who made it possible to bridge the gap between us and our Heavenly Father. And so if you're here and you've never just said, yeah, I need God's grace, if you've never acknowledged your need for grace, I want to give you an opportunity today. It's real simple. All you have to do is say, God, I, I messed up. I've sinned. Forgive me. Save me. I put my trust in you. And so I'm going to lead us in that simple prayer. You can pray your own way. You can pray your own way. But wherever you're at, I want you to know, if you've never given your life to Christ, you're lost without him. But he desperately loves you and wants you to leave this place knowing you're found and you belong to him and you're his kid forever. And all you have to do is ask him. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to lead us in this prayer. You can pray your own way if you're online watching or you're here. You can pray this simple prayer. Father, thank you for paying the price, for dying on the cross for my sin. I ask you, God, to forgive me. Lord, I ask you to save me. Lord, help me to follow your path as your child. I put all of my hope in you as my Savior. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees, said amen. Yeah. Hey, listen, if you prayed that here or you prayed that online, if you can text ALIVE to 97000, it'll just give you a prompt for the next five days, and that's it. We'll send you a short text that'll give you some information that'll help you in your journey of being a Christ follower. We love you guys, man. We'll see you next week for week two of Game of Thrones.